Hello and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Anderson, and today we are ending our study in the book of Ruth. This is part six of six, and it's a doozy. We previously covered the first three chapters of Ruth already, and today is all of chapter four. This is the end. Will Boaz and Ruth get married? Will she be redeemed? Or will the closer relative take her on as his wife? Kind of like that music in the background. It really slaps. everybody's still doing okay in the midst of coronavirus and the shutdowns or lockdowns or quarantines or whatever you call it. Uh, I know I prefer to call it a major annoyance. I know I'm not alone in that, but uh, it looks like things are opening up quite a bit. Some people are not so happy about it and some are. And uh, I'm not here to debate <laughs> which which is better. Uh, that's not the point. Um, but uh, we are going to start having Sunday school again this coming Sunday. So that's a plus. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll look at opening up our Wednesday nights again. But, but at least starting this coming Sunday. What is that? The 5th? July 5th? Um, we're going to have all of our normal Sunday services, so we'll start with Sunday school at 9.45 and then worship service at 10.45, uh, especially since we're all we're all already going to be at the same place at the same time on the same day. Um, might as well just go ahead and have Sunday school again, so that'll be nice, and uh, it'll be a nice transition into a new topic. Uh, I'm going to continue the podcast um, that's going to be weekly, and uh, basically after we finish Ruth today, uh, I will start doing a um, I'll start doing a question and answer sort of thing with the podcast. A lot of the Portland General Baptist students have already given lots of questions uh, that they have for the Bible in general, uh, like what are angels? What are they made out of? Uh, what are demons? Uh, do aliens exist? Um, how, how, how will the end times play out? All that sort of stuff. And, uh, basically we're just going to address all of those questions from a purely biblical standpoint. Um, and I will, I will uh, present to you what the Bible says about it. And of course, um, there will be some other, some other, um, presentations given as well so we can compare and contrast. Uh, but uh, the point is to give you an actual, real, biblical worldview of those topics. And I hope that it's going to be very beneficial. And it, it always has been to me. I know it's helped uh, students in the past yeah, to, to go through those questions and to, and to really dive deep into stuff that maybe you don't get to ask during Sunday school or you don't get to ask on, on Wednesday nights during youth. Or, uh, or yeah, you do get to ask 
but it's a weird question. <laughs> so you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to embarrass yourself or maybe you're you're too shy. This will this will give you an opportunity to ask the question uh, anonymously and uh, we'll go through and address them one by one. And uh, we'll just we'll just have a good time, and we'll do that for a few weeks on the podcast. Um, I'm also going to uh, live stream our Wednesday night youth classes. That's the plan, anyway. And uh, if I don't live stream it, then it will just be recorded, and then I will uh, post the video later on, probably the next day. And uh, uh, that way, it's on YouTube. It's shared to Facebook. It's all that kind of good stuff. And and speaking of YouTube and Facebook, if you haven't already liked our Facebook page, um, it is facebook.com slash Portland GBC. So Portland, like Oregon, but in Tennessee, Portland, G as in general, B as in Baptist, C as in church, facebook.com slash Portland GBC. If you just go to that page and like it and share it and invite your friends to like and share, and uh, you'll see updates, you'll see announcements. Uh, All of our weekly sermons are posted there. In fact, we started live streaming uh, our Sunday morning services the last couple of weeks. Brother Rich is going to continue his Sunday school lessons. Um, They're not going to be pre-recorded anymore. Uh, We are moving away from that, seeing as we are opening up our Sunday mornings now, um, but we are still going to have them posted to YouTube. If you go to YouTube, um, you can also port, uh, type into the search engine Portland General Baptist Church, and it will pop right up. On both pages, Facebook and YouTube, you will see our uh, our logo. It's a, it's a purple GB with a black background. That is us. Um, but uh, go in, and when you subscribe to the YouTube channel, please be sure to hit the notification bell as well. Uh, just because you're subscribed to the channel, for some reason, it doesn't necessarily notify you when a new video is posted. You also have to hit the notification bell for it. I don't know why. You would think that it would be, um, I don't know, more intelligent to just make a notification when a channel you're subscribed to adds content. But then again, I'm not YouTube. I'm not the one <laughs> I'm not the one with the billion dollar idea, right? So maybe they know something better than I do. Who knows? Anyway, uh so we are in Ruth chapter four today. And uh this is um hopefully going to relieve some tension that uh that we caused last week by ending uh, chapter three, and if if you are just now uh, getting on with us, um, or you don't know anything about the Book of Ruth, uh, I would encourage you to go back to uh, uh, if you look at the podcast titles, it's the Book of Ruth, Part One. Start with that one, listen all the way through. But I'll go ahead and give a quick recap of what's been going on. Ruth and Naomi. Uh, Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. They no longer have husbands. There are no other children in the family. It is just the two of them. And uh, they are widowed. Their husbands died. We're not told how or why. We just know that they did. And so Ruth and Naomi, they had come back from the country of Moab. They're now back in Bethlehem, Judea. And things are looking really good. At first they weren't. It was very not fun. But now things are looking nice. Uh, Ruth has been working in a field. And uh, uh, it actually belongs to a man named Boaz. And we learn in chapter 2 about Boaz. He is a close relative of Naomi. And if you know anything about Old Testament law, one of the things that they can do is when a husband dies and there's no children left behind, then the next closest single male relative, that was really quick, right? Next closest single male relative 
then has the responsibility to marry the widow and provide a family for her. Now, this person would be called what's 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 termed the kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer, K I N S M A N, kinsman redeemer. And that's because they redeem a kinsman, right? <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. They are redeemed from being a widow. And if you recall, Ruth is a Moabitess. She's from a foreign country. Uh, she is of another group of people. Uh, you could argue that she's of a different race. And so we see a little bit of racism actually in Ruth. And it's a little, it's a little uh, fitting that uh, we go through Ruth. And there is such a um, such a heavy theme of racism. Really, um, you, you don't really see it at first unless you know the historical background of this book. But, but Ruth is is treated as as an outsider. She's kind of an outcast there in chapter one, and uh, and of course Naomi, she's not too happy about that. Um, even even okay, listen to this. Don't don't make this any more than it is. But even God's people sometimes were racist. Uh-oh. Did did I just say that? Yeah, I did. Because, guess what? Even redeemed people still sin. It doesn't mean you're, you're intentionally trying to, to harm anybody, but sometimes that happens, and that's what we see here in Ruth, uh, at least a couple of times. Now, um... Boaz, being a close relative of Naomi, has the opportunity to redeem Naomi because it was Naomi whose husband died. His name was Elimelech, and it was that it was his family uh, that uh, he left when he died. And so, so we it, there's a little bit of confusion. I'm not going to go into all the great. Uh, and trust me, it is complicated details about. Um, the redemption of Ruth versus the redemption of Naomi, um, simply for the sake of time, uh, I will I will only talk about well for the most part the redemption of Ruth, <clears throat> but uh, Boaz uh, has this opportunity to redeem Ruth and buy back the land that was once Elimelech's, and so Naomi comes up with this plan in chapter three and says, "All right, look, here's what you're gonna do." You're going to, um, you're going to get dressed. You're going to shower, get all nice, put some perfume on. You're going to go to Boaz, and you're going to propose to him. And that's backwards, right? This this whole this whole little situation is very strange. You're going to go to Boaz and propose to him. Oh, and by the way, you're going to do it in the middle of the night after he's gone to sleep. It sounds very strange, but to them, to Naomi, this was not this was not weird. This was not out of the ordinary. To Ruth, it probably was because you remember she's from a different country, completely different culture, completely different customs. Um, this this was probably very foreign to Ruth. But you'll see that Ruth didn't even really question it. She was like, "Oh yeah, I'm down. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Whatever I need to do, because this Boaz guy, he and I click." And uh, we already see that there's an interest between Ruth and Boaz, and, and, and of course by this time, Ruth and Boaz, Ruth has worked for Boaz for at least a few months. 
uh, and they know each other very well. Ruth has been hanging out. She's been working with Boaz and his field, talking with talking with uh, uh, the other workers there, talking with uh, the young women that are a part of his family and the fields there, and the other the other guys that are working there. And they are. She is just intermingled. She has assimilated into this family, into this culture. And and so there is this great attraction between Ruth and Boaz. And so Ruth goes to propose to Boaz in hopes of being redeemed. And uh, Ruth says, basically, redeem me. Marry me. You're a close relative. Why don't you just, let's just do this. We love each other. We want to be together. Redeem me. And Boaz's response if this is the the first time that you're hearing it, Boaz's response is not, oh, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and get married. Boaz's response is, well, it is true that I'm a close relative, but there's a relative that's closer than I. And so we learn in chapter 3, and this is where we left off last week, we learn in chapter 3 that there is another relative who is closer to Naomi and Ruth than Boaz is. And if you'll recall, the rule is the closest single male relative has the responsibility to redeem the widow. And it's not Boaz. So everything's been looking great for all of chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then Boaz drops this bomb. Yeah, I'm a close relative, but somebody's closer than me. And it kind of seems like all that hope that had been building up was completely lost. And and now somebody, some no named guy is gonna is gonna marry Ruth. It's not looking like a happily ever after sort of story. Well, Boaz says, "Look, we're gonna go address this with the guy, and if he is gonna redeem you, then by all means, he will redeem you. But if he doesn't, then just so you know, I will." So that's where we left off last week. Ruth goes back home to Naomi. And tells her what happened, and Naomi said, all right, be still, just sit still until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest, Boaz will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. And so here we are, coming back from a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? Will Boaz and Ruth get married? Will Will this other guy decide to redeem her? Or will he pass on the offer? Remember, it is it is a responsibility that this other closer relative has. Culturally speaking, this is a big deal. He will be seen as fulfilling the law and being a man if he does this thing. Keep that in mind as we read. So we're in chapter 4, and uh, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend. Sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. Now, I, I know this is only the first verse and I'm stopping already, but just so you kind of understand the um, the atmosphere here, when it says, Come aside, friend, that word friend in the English, we know what that means. But if you look at the context in the original language in Hebrew, he's he's basically saying Mr. So-and-so. It's like when you call, like if you don't know somebody's name, 
Uh, you, you learned it once, but you kind of forgot it. You're not really good with names like me. I'm terrible with names. Oh my goodness, I'll remember your face all day long, but I c- cannot for the life of me remember some people's names. And even if I see them every week, or I, it's just I don't know one of those things. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, I don't know my fallen mind. Uh, but anyway, I can't, I can't remember some guys' names or some people's names, but, but this is basically like, you can't remember their names. So you call him man or dude. He's basically, he didn't forget the guy's name, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the intent here. Hey man, uh, why why don't you come sit down here? I'm not, in other words, in other words, (laughs) I'm not even gonna call you by your name. Just you come over here. So the guy comes over and sits down. And uh, verse 2, he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And basically what Boaz is doing is he's setting up up this exchange. He is bringing some of the elders together because there have to be witnesses to this particular event. That's just how the law plays out. Like I said, it can get really complicated here. But uh, let's just keep going with it. And uh, Boaz says, hey, man. Come sit down. We got a chat. And he gathers some witnesses. And this is the beginning of the exchange between Boaz and this closer relative. And Boaz basically lays out, hey, uh, here in verse 3, he says, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, she sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants, and the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, then go ahead and redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. So Boaz is saying to this guy, hey, look, uh, you remember uh, Elimelech, our brother? Well, you know, he died and left Naomi behind. Well, she sold the land that uh, that Elimelech own, uh, owned. Remember, it, it gets a little... Um, he gets a little complicated with the land and all that kind of stuff with the redemption process. But basically speaking, <clears throat> he says, you have this opportunity to redeem Naomi by buying, this, by buying back this piece of land, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants, these elders that I brought together, and it's yours. Just so you know, I just wanted to let you know, if you're going to redeem it, go, go ahead and do it. But if not, let me know because I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm next in line. <laughs> he says I'm next in line. So the guy says, right, and this is kind of this is the response we're waiting on. What is this guy gonna do? Is he gonna redeem Naomi and and in the process redeem Ruth? Is this what's gonna happen? Is this how the story's gonna end? Or are we gonna see some like happy ending sort of thing here with Boaz and Ruth? Oh man. Verse four. The guy said I will redeem it. What? Why? This is not good news, right? We want Boaz and Ruth to get together. This is not good. He says, I will redeem it. Oh, man. Kind of a letdown, right? We're like, we've already gone through three chapters of this. We get to the very last chapter and we find out this guy's like, yeah, I'll take it. I'll buy the land back. I'll get Naomi. But Boaz, Boaz is pretty clever here. See, Boaz has done the right thing the whole time. But he's withheld a little bit of information. He's about to explain here. 
and verse 5. Boaz says, Just so you know, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Oh, Boaz is just letting this guy know the full extent of this buyback. <laughs> he's letting him know what he, what all of this entails. It's not just land that he's buying back that Naomi sold previously. And it's not just redeeming Naomi, but oh, Ruth the Moabitess. Boaz has let all of this out in the open. And the guy already said, I'm going to redeem it. But in verse 6, the closer relative says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. What just happened? He was so gung-ho about redeeming this land. He was ready to jump on that opportunity. And for some reason, he changed his mind when Boaz mentioned Ruth. Why was that? Well, if you'll recall in the earlier um, the earlier episodes going over this book, there is a reason why the author mentioned that Ruth was a Moabitess so many times. There was a repetitiveness here. It was almost annoying. It was like, yeah, we get it. She's from Moab. You don't have to keep saying it. But there's a reason why the author wrote it so many times and kept pointing back to, hey, yeah, her name is Ruth, but remember where she's from? Where is she from? Moab. Yeah, remember the Israelites don't like Moab. They're a different race. They're a different people. They're a different custom. They're a different culture. They are completely immoral. They are vile. They are wicked sinners, and I want nothing to do with them. It's almost as if Boaz knew what he was doing here. Because you see, as soon as Boaz mentioned, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess. Oh man, as soon as that guy said Moabitess, as soon as Boaz said Moabitess, that guy was probably like, can I back out of this? And he does, right? In verse 6, he's like, yeah, I, I can't redeem it. Why though? Why does he why does he back out? Because he says, if I redeem this, if I redeem this land, if I buy it back and I redeem Naomi and Ruth in the process, Ruth this Moabitess, I'm going to I'm going to ruin my own inheritance. In other words, this guy sees that Ruth is a Moabitess. He sees that she's from this other country. She's a different race. She is a Gentile. She's an outsider. She's not of the people of God. This guy says, I'm going to ruin my reputation. I'm going to stain my inheritance. I'm going to put a blot on the family name, on my family name, if I redeem Ruth. I will have none of that. By all means, Boaz, you redeem it. Now, this is a really big deal. This is an absolute big deal. Because remember just a few minutes ago, I said, this is, this is like a guy who is fulfilling his responsibility to the law by redeeming a widow. Everybody is expecting this guy to just go through with the process like he's supposed to. 
and yet he would rather he would rather defy the law he would rather defy the culture and the tradition and the process altogether for fear of staining his inheritance for fear of ruining his inheritance he doesn't want to put a blot on his family name that's really sad that's that's just really sad like he would much rather lose the respect of the people in his city than to marry somebody of a different race that that to me and i have grown up in the south not the deep south but i i personally grew up in the south and i can't imagine thinking that way that that's a foreign that's a foreign way of thinking to me but we see it all the time and we see it here even in the bible there is racism at least it appears to be here in, in verse in verse 6 she's of a different people she's a gentile she's not a jew she's a different race and he's going to turn it down now i'm not saying <laughs> You have to go marry somebody of a different race to prove that you're not racist. That is not not at all what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying don't be racist. <laughs> uh, so let's continue. So this guy has turned it down. He tells Boaz, "Hey, you redeem my right of redemption for yourself. I can't. I can't do it. I'm backing out." Verse seven. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Uh, again, that's a little bit of a complicated uh, little tradition, this custom here that we're not going to get into, but continuing on in verse 8. Therefore, the close relative, this so-and-so, said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day, and I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Killian's and Malan's. From the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from anyone his, uh, from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tabar, uh, Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. And everybody reading rejoiced because Boaz marries Ruth. And it's happily ever after, right? Huh. Well, I'm sure they had their differences and stuff. I mean, just like any other married couple would. But this is a victory, right? Boaz and Ruth, a match made in heaven, so to speak. They get to be together. Naomi has been redeemed. The The land has been bought back. And, and now Ruth herself has been redeemed. <clears throat> and there's a couple of things that I want to point out here. Uh, we're going to read a little bit more. This is going to be a little bit longer of an episode than the than the rest have been, uh, just because we're covering more content this time, and um, and and so there's there's two things that I want to point out here. The first is 
what what is this story? Why do we have this story? We have this story in the Bible. It's a short one. It's a very easy read. It only takes like 20 to 30 minutes, maybe. <clears throat> but we have this story because it is a picture of the redemption that Jesus Christ provides for you. Recall that Ruth was an outsider. She was not a, she was not a Jew. She was not in God's chosen people. She did not belong. She was an outcast. Remember in chapter 1, when Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem, after Ruth had already pledged her loyalty to Naomi, and Naomi still said that she came back empty? Ruth was probably the loneliest person in the world at that point, having no clue what to do. She still assimilated into these people, into this culture, but she did not belong. She was not one of them. And yet Boaz, out of his kindness and out of his love for other people, provided a way for her to make a living and provide food. Boaz is a sort of picture of Jesus, and Ruth is a picture of us. Boaz provides redemption for Ruth. He says, you know what? No one else is going to take her. I will. I will redeem Ruth. In fact, he was going to redeem her the whole time. Ruth is a picture of us. We don't belong in the kingdom of God. We are outcasts by nature. Our sins have separated us from God. Remember that for all have fallen and uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's us. We are we are Ruth in that story. We're we're not Boaz. We can strive to be Boaz. There are a lot of qualities about Boaz that we should we should strive to have. But we are not Boaz. We are Ruth. We are the foreigner. We are the Moabite. We are the wicked, immoral creature that has fallen from God's grace. And we are the ones who are in need of redemption. And there is only one person who can righteously and rightfully redeem us. And that is Jesus. And so, while Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. This is simply a brief four-chapter-long picture of what it's like to be a redeemed sinner. So that's the first thing I want you to understand about this. Your sins, having taken you almost infinitely far away from God, still not enough to keep you from God because Christ God offers redemption through Christ. That's the first thing. Second is what we see in the rest of chapter 4. So, let's go ahead and keep reading in chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. So, Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, that's a euphemism for 
they had relations. <clears throat> the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better than uh, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and lay him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women uh, gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yeah. Was that This is pre-recorded and I think I just heard your gasp. <gasps> hmm. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon or Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Hmm, which David? King David, the king of Israel, David. Oh, that David. This is the other thing I want you to see. And it's not even really about David. <clears throat> Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Right? Following? So... Now, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 1. Now, if you're not familiar with Matthew chapter 1, uh, just so you know, it's a genealogy. It's basically what we saw at the end of Ruth. We see a guy, and then we see that guy's son, and then that guy's son, and then that guy's son, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. I got it, Rory. <laughs> you're getting repetitive. Yeah, well, so is chapter 1 of Matthew. It's repetitive, but... There's a reason, okay? <laughs> We're looking at a genealogy here, and we see that Obed was the grandfather of David, right? Okay, King David. So I want you to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon, Salmon <laughs> begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. Hmm... Okay, David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. All right, we got that. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. We're not going to read all of these. Hmm. Look at verse 14. This is all just genealogy. So-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. This is a lineage of one family down through years and years and years and years and years. Chapter 1, verse 14. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim. Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar. Eleazar begot Mathan. And Mathan begot Jacob. Verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. And that is the final bombshell of Ruth. We don't see it word for word at the end of Ruth, but there's a reason why the author gave that genealogy, because he wanted to show you that even a peasant 
Gentile woman like Ruth can be used by God for great things. He wanted to show you that that their little story was part of a much, much bigger picture. And it turned out that Boaz's faithfulness to the law, Boaz's faithfulness to God, ended up bringing about the birth of Jesus Christ, who the book of Ruth is all about anyway. Remember how dark chapter 1 was? It had seemed like everything was coming to an end. Elimelech was dead. Malin was dead. Killian was dead. Naomi is left with just some harlot from another country. And it looked like everything was just awful. You ever felt like that? Like there's just no end in sight to the to the tragedy? It's just one thing after another. And you're like... Surely there's no purpose in this. And if there is, my goodness, at least just get on with it. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of hurting all the time. Or you ask yourself, why is this happening? Well, I want to just say something real quick. And that is, when you're going through something you might not ever find out why. You'll get through it eventually. But you might not know why you're going through something. I would probably bet, if I wasn't a Baptist, that Ruth probably wondered the same thing. That Naomi probably wondered the same thing. Why am I going through this? What, What is the purpose, God, that you have in mind here? And I'm not sure that Boaz or Ruth or Naomi had any idea that one day their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
we we always go through things. We we may ask, "Hey, God, <laughs> why 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 is this happening to me?" God God knows. And it's hard to trust sometimes. And it's easy to say it. It's hard to do it. But but it's things like this that give us hope, you know. God is going to work this out for those who love him. God's going to work it out for you. You might not see it, and it might not be about you, but it's going to work out. You have an important place in the universe. It might be, you might be going through something because one day you're going to have to help somebody else go through something. You're going to have to help somebody else go through that very thing. You might be going through something because you're supposed to be of greater character. You need to be strengthened. You know, when, when people ask God to give them, to, to give them patience, or they pray for, for God to make them patient, oh my goodness, that is <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, because God will, God will put you in situations where it is going to build your patience, it's going to test your patience, or lack thereof. People who ask for patience from God uh, usually don't, they usually don't know what they're getting themselves into. I hope that this study in Ruth has been extremely helpful. I hope that, uh, you know, you you might not even be the person that needed to hear any of this specifically right now. You you might not be going through anything in your life where, where you need... Um, <clears throat> to know or relate to Ruth, uh, you know, anything that she's gone through or Naomi or anybody else in this story. But everybody relates to needing redemption. Everybody relates to needing salvation. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is good, no, not one. Um, we, we, we cannot earn salvation on our own, and we are in need of grace from God uh, to save us. We need salvation. We are sinners in need of saving. And uh Christ provides that. And if you have not been saved or or if you recognize today that you are in need of salvation, I'll go ahead and tell you there's no special prayer. I can't I can't pray for you. Um I I, I do pray for you, of course, but uh you know, there's no prayer to repeat. There's no repeat after me sort of special uh spell <laughs> prayer that you pray that gets you saved. There's nothing like that. Salvation comes by repentance and faith. You repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you of those sins. And that's it. It's as simple as that. When you repent, you turn away from your sins. You put it behind you. You ask for forgiveness of the sins that you've committed. You confess your sins. You you become in agreement with God about what sin is and, and, and what it does with your relationship with Him, that it separates you from Him infinitely, and that it takes you out of His graces, and, and all of those things. Repent of your sins. Put your trust in the Lord and be saved. I hope that this has been uh, a good study for you and that you've gotten a lot out of it. I encourage you to go through and read the book of Ruth at least once a week. Uh, it, it's a quick read, like I said, 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, I'm a slow reader, and it usually takes me about, well, about that, 20 to 30 minutes. So that's, that's usually what I gauge it off of. But um, I found, by the way, that reading out loud helps tremendously. And uh, so you might want to experiment with that. It helps me. Uh, might not help you, but might want to try it. 
But regardless, that ends our study tonight. It is tonight. I'm recording this. It is 12.15 in the morning. <gasps> it's been a long day. I've barely been up 12 hours. 14 hours by now, I think. Uh, I don't know. I lose, I lose count. I, I hardly even know what day it is anymore unless it's Sunday. Ugh. Anyway. Until next time, please be safe. And may God bless you. Oh, and like us on Facebook, please.